Hello and welcome back into the Duke Wisdom Podcast for the second episode. Uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for subscribing if you have already. If you haven't, go ahead and, and hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button. Really happy to be back using a new mic for this episode. Just went out and bought a new mic. It's been a little frustrating because the audio levels have been a bit weird. Uh, so having to put like a major audio gain on the file and audition. So please let me know how, how the mic sounds. If it's too low, too high. If you think it's good, let me know and I can adjust the mic accordingly. Go back to the old one or uh, even go get a new one because I'm looking to, you know, cut out the the amount of editing that I have to do for each episode. Uh, but that's enough technical terms for now. Let's go ahead and head, in, head into what uh, the episode's actually going to be about. So like I said last Thursday, this one will be about who's going to be the fifth starter. You know, we know Filipowski, Proctor, Roach, and Mitchell. Those four guys presumably are starting. I mean, some people might disagree with me about Jeremy Roach, but when you're a fourth-year starter coming into your senior season, I don't see how you can get kicked out of a starting lineup. And especially to begin the season, I don't think there's any chance of that at all. Filipowski, Mitchell, Proctor, no-brainers. Obviously, injuries could come in and change the way the starting lineup looks, but I don't think that that's going to be something that I'm going to look at because predicting you know, things that are unpredictable is something that I'm not going to do in August. So the way I see it, there are about six guys that could be in the starting lineup come next season. Uh, Shoot and Blakes aren't two of those guys. I think the four freshmen, Young and Reeves, are guys that could vie for it. Uh, And I'm going to start with who I think is the least likely to take on that role, which is probably pretty clearly Christian Reeves. Uh, Reeves is now seven foot one sophomore, 261 pounds. He's up 16 pounds from last season, 245 last year. Uh, he's a really, really solid shot blocker. And I talked last week about how frame-wise, if you want a center that's like a true center, lanky center that fits kind of that Derek Lively, Mark Mitchell role, that kind of mold, if you're looking for that, Christian Reeves is your guy. But in terms of is he there yet, I don't know if he's there yet. I'm sure that he's taken a leap, and I, I hope that that leap has been a rather large one. I think that later on in his career, Reeves will be looking at really solid minutes. But right now, it's hard to say if he's there yet. I mean, last year at Countdown to Craziness, he looked really good. 11 points, I think like three blocks, something like that. He was was really stellar and a big surprise that early that he was already good enough to do that that early. Now, you can't take a whole lot of stock in what happens in the blue versus white game. I mean, it shows a little bit. I mean, it shows that he's capable of it. And a lot of people are vying for a true center. A lot of people don't view Kyle Filipowski as a true center. Because over the last few seasons, Duke fans have been spoiled with Williams and Lively, and uh, Filipowski isn't the athletic shot blocker that they are. He's not a bad defender by any means. I mean, that was what he was advertised as coming into Duke, but uh, that's not the case at all. He's he's shown a lot of glimpses of being able to defend on the perimeter, uh, being able to steal the ball, and he has has had some success as a shot blocker, not phenomenal success, but he's shown that he can do it. And can he anchor the five defensively? There are concerns. There are certainly concerns. And that's really, I think, the only reason why this is a big discussion is because of the concern of whether Filipowski can play the five. That and also the fact that we have like a million uh, guards who are all extremely good, which is, you know, not a bad problem to have. But looking at Christian Reeves, Mold-wise, the physical build, he is what Duke would want as that fifth starter. I just don't think he's there, and so I don't think that there's a whole lot of chance of Reeves being a starter. I'm not going to rule out that he could get like a start or two here and there throughout the season. That could happen. I think he should see the floor. 
because I think he's one of two true bigs. I mean, I'll get into the next guy and or one of the other guys in a, in a little bit, little while. But Reeves is a guy who I want to see his minutes increase. I mean, I think there's a good chance that he absolutely never starts and doesn't even see that many more minutes. And I think that would be tragic because I think a guy of his defensive ability and his body type should absolutely not uh, be wasting away on the bench. But that brings me to another big man, and the other like one of the other true true big men on the bench, and that's fifth year senior. Rec League Ryan Young. I think there is a really solid chance that Ryan Young is the fifth starter to begin the season. I think John Shire will reward the veteran, the familiar face. There's five main returners who played consistent, solid rotational minutes last season. The four guys who were clearly in the lineup and then Ryan Young. Ryan Young began last season starting. A lot of that had to do with Derek Lively's injury, but even went when when Lively came back, I mean, Ryan stayed in the starting lineup for a little while, and he's such a productive player. He's such a... I mean, there there are so many concerns about Ryan Young's defense. Somewhat valid, valid concerns in a lot of ways. He's not incredibly athletic, so it's difficult for him to guard athletic bigs. It's hard for him to guard bigs that are a lot taller than him, faster than him, can stretch out and shoot or play on the perimeter. The defense is a concern, a rather large one at that. But offensively, you're talking about an incredibly dependable big man. Ken Palm rankings, he ranks 17th in the nation in offensive rating. Uh, Derek Lively was 10th. He was 13th in the country in offensive rebound percentage. I mean, every game, they just they hit the nail on the head every game. They beat it into you about how good of an offensive rebounder Ryan Young is. And I mean, for good reason, because he's an incredible offensive rebounder. He brings a dynamic that helps get second looks and with how good of a shooting team this team projects to be, that can be a really significant addition to the starting lineup. He was also 25th in the nation in two-point percentage at 68.5%. I mean, that kind of efficiency is really hard to match in the paint. He's not really going to stretch out and hit threes. I mean, I know there's that that video that the team posted on social media of him knocking down the three. He's got the shot for it. I mean, the guy shoots 81% from the free throw line. He should be able to step out and make a few jump shots, but I don't know how many he's actually going to get the green light for. I mean, at Duke in the past, bigs like Emil Jefferson, he could he could shoot a little bit. He went to the league, started making some threes in the G, in the G League. Lance Thomas became a three-point specialist in the league. A lot of that's work once they got into the pros, but they clearly had a little bit of that bag once when they were at Duke and they just didn't have the green light. So I do wonder if he has any sort of green light to let it fly from beyond at Duke, but... I don't think we, we're going to see a whole lot of the Ryan Young three-point threat, but still, he, he he has a little bit of a shot, at least probably should have one in the mid-range, but he's so incredibly efficient in, in, in the paint, man. I mean, dudes are falling for those pump fakes. They are falling for those pump fakes, man. He is the Allen Iverson of the pump fake. And I think that his efficiency speaks for itself. In, in ACC play, he was second in the conference in offensive rating, third in offensive rebounding percentage, and in two-point percentage. Um, he's an incredibly efficient veteran who's now in his second year at Duke, his fifth year in college. He knows what he's doing. He is a smart player, an efficient player. He checks every box to be that fifth starter. Even positionally, he checks the box. But defense is a rather large concern when it comes to Ryan Young. And so that's where the freshman candidates come into play. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom 
on Twitter or Instagram. So the freshman, and I'll keep it. I'll, let's let's stay on the big man wave. I've talked about Reeves. He's got the length. He's got the, the the height and the size, the shot blocking. And I've talked about Young, a little bit shorter of a big man, not short. Don't get me wrong. Ryan Young's still like the third tallest player on the team. Fourth, sorry, Stanley Borden, a fourth tallest player on the team, but you know, not very athletic. Can't really get up but has the bulk for it um, and is efficient. Well, let's combine a little bit of both of these guys. You want the shot blocking, not quite as tall, but has the athleticism, uh, is an efficient player. Put a little bit of that to the, together and you get Sean Stewart. Sean Stewart is six foot nine, solid build, incredible shot blocker, uh, has ups like nobody's business, man. McDonald's All-American Dunk Contest champion. By the way, the fifth Blue Devil to ever do that. I'm not going to spoil who the other four are. You can look that up if you want, because I want to do a trivia episode soon. So, and that's going to be one of the questions. Anyway, fifth Blue Devil to win the McDonald's All-American Dunk Contest. Stewart was ranked 21st by uh, 24-7 sports, which uh, criminally low. I mean, at one point he was ranked eighth, and I think that was a little bit better. Um, There were points where he was appearing on way, way, way too early NBA mock drafts. He no longer is. I think that's because there seems to be a sentiment that Stewart won't be starting. I've been very vocal, very vocal for months now that I think Sean Stewart could and maybe should be the fifth starter. He was a six, but 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 he was a sixth man at Montverde in high school. He's used to playing that role. He's accepting of that role. Uh, very accepting of any role that he he's given. I, I would I would think, but. Um, Stewart would, I think, thrive in that role. It's it, it, now. I, who am I to say? I don't know if he's ready. Shire will know uh, best if he's he's ready to step into that fifth starting role. But I think that he will get starts at that at the five or the four. Whether he, Filipowski's running the five and Stewart at the four or vice versa, I think offensively you're going to put Filipowski on the block with kind of Stewart in the same area. But Filipowski can float out at the three point line. I think defensively, if Stewart and Filipowski are both in the game, so is Mitchell. Mitchell's guarding the perimeter. Filipowski's kind of alternating in between with Stewart being that anchor, kind of like Lively. I mean, he's shorter, but he's athletic. He can block shots, man. Is he going to have the shot blocking percentages of Lively and Williams? No. I mean, the only kind of guy at Duke that ever really has is, is Sheldon Williams. Is Stewart that level of a shot blocker right now? No, but not many guys would be. I think Sean Stewart brings the athleticism. He brings the ability to score. He brings defense. He brings motor. And I think that's something that would be really valuable in a starting lineup. And I think positionally, it's really intriguing because it it takes Kyle Filipowski out of that five-man role defensively, where I think the biggest concern defensively is we know Kyle can, can hang defensively, but we don't want him getting into foul trouble. If Filipowski gets into foul trouble, that's really difficult for Duke because that takes Duke's best player out of the game. That takes Duke's big man out of the game. And at that point, all the big man minutes will then have to go to Stewart and Reeves, uh, three players that can't exactly put the ball in the basket quite the same rate as Filipowski can. So if you're putting a big with Filipowski, it's... Probably going to be best to be Sean Stewart. He's got the athleticism uh, paired with the ability to score, but specifically take defensive pressure off Kyle. So that kind of takes us out of the big man territory. Went over Reeves, Young, and Stewart. And I think that Reeves most likely not going to get a start, but an increase in minutes. Uh, Ryan Young, a starter to begin the season. Minutes will likely decrease as the season goes on, a lot like they did this past season. By the end of the year, he was seeing anywhere from usually about 10 to 15 minutes a game. I would imagine that's where he'll end up at the end of next season as well. Uh, and then Stewart, who I think is the perfect match with, with Filipowski, if Shire wants to to vie for a uh, two big man lineup. I think in all likelihood, a lot of games won't see a two man, uh, two big man starting five. 
And that's where we go into the uh, final three freshmen here. So let's start with the forward pick uh, in TJ Power. Uh, TJ Power, six foot nine, number 16 player in the class by 24 7 Sports. Five star player, just an absolute shooter from three point mid range. Power can absolutely shoot it. Um, I mean, that's 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 what you need to know about TJ Power. And, and a, a lot of the videos that the team has been posting uh, of him shooting the ball, man, he just looks like a carbon copy of Kyle Singler. I mean, this guy, his shooting form, his build, uh, his height, down to the wristband he wears. <laughs> TJ Power, the number, he's number 12. I mean, come on. Somehow this is uh, the second episode of this podcast. I've mentioned Kyle Singler in both episodes. But uh, TJ Power, is he feels just like a Kyle Singler copy. And I mean, that just, you can't ask for a better player. I mean, a guy that can fill it up from everywhere on the floor. He's a terrific offensive option. And I think if you want to go uh, away, steer away from the three guard lineup, but steer away from the more traditional two big man lineup and get a more versatile, can go out and run, but still has size lineup. This is a really intriguing option because Roach and Proctor in the backcourt with Filipowski and then a six foot nine Mitchell. And then add another 6'9 guy in power. I mean, he's practically, you know, he and Stewart are the same height. Not exactly the same positionally in terms of, you know, what Stewart brings defensively versus what power brings as a shooter. They bring different things, but the height's still there. The size is still there. You're not giving up that that size necessarily. So it's a very, very intriguing option to put power in there and really, I mean, really increase the shooting ability that starting five, every player in that lineup can really shoot that that thing from three man, and uh, uh, especially having Filipowski and and Power with two two taller guys that have the ability to stretch the floor, that's a really dangerous lineup. I don't know how many times we'll see Power uh, hit the starting five. He's a guy that I, I have probably the biggest question mark about. Uh, I mean, he's a number sixteen player in the class, five star player, but it kind of seems like he's drifted under the radar. A lot of people don't don't really talk about TJ as much as maybe they should uh, because when you've got a guy that, that that meets the archetype of Kyle Singler like like Power does you got to be you got to be very intrigued by that I think there's certainly going to be a place for him as a starter later on in his career, and I don't think there's a lot of risk of him being a one-and-done. I'd like to see him get solid minutes regardless of whether he is a starter or not. And he's really a unique case uh, among these six guys that could get this starting position because, I mean, Reeves and Young, Stewart, that's adding a second big man. Uh, Foster and McCain is basically going three-guard lineup. But if Shire likes the idea of playing Filipowski at the five and he likes the idea of playing Mitchell at the four, which I think he might like that idea, then the best way to keep size but add shooting and versatility is putting TJ Power at the three. Um, so I think that, that that is a very intriguing option. It makes a lot of sense positionally, but I'm still not convinced that it's going to be the most likely fifth starter. So let's go into the two guys who who might might very well be the, the most intriguing options, and that's the three-guard lineup. There's, there's really no way to talk about this Duke team without talking about how guard-heavy it is, how just insanely stacked this backcourt is. John Shire himself is a, a guard that can shoot the three-man, and he built a roster of a lot of guys <laughs> that can do the same thing. I'll, I'll, I'll begin with Caleb Foster. So Caleb Foster, six foot five, number 22 player in the class to end the year, which is criminally criminally underrated. I mean, he has been looked 
overlooked past for a while now. And he's talked about it and he's talked about it putting a chip on his shoulder. I mean, last year at Peach Jam, the guy was offensive MVP, averaged 25.2 points per game. He shot 44% from three, had 4.2 assists per game. And then somehow that ended up dropping in the in the rankings. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just ludicrous. But the dude can score. He can put the ball in the basket, and that's what you want. He's another big guard. You kind of put him out there with with Proctor and Roach. You got two six five guards. Uh, that's that's hard to handle for a team with with smaller guards. I mean, look at Carolina, uh, five foot eleven R.J. Davis, six one Elliot Cadeau. I mean, that's going to be a tough guard if you've got Proctor and Foster both out there. They're both six foot five. Foster is just a bucket getter. Uh, the ringer ranked him 12th on their uh, way too early mock, which was significantly higher than I imagined Caleb Foster would be. But when you've got the scoring ability and the size at guard like Foster has, I guess I can't be but so surprised. But he's just been so looked past for so long that it really took me off guard. And I'm glad that he's getting a little bit of recognition that said, you know, I, I talked about it in the last episode. I still think Foster's going to be back for a sophomore year, ultimately. And right now, I, I wouldn't bet money on him getting the fifth starting slot. I think it could happen. I think it might happen in select circumstances. But there's another guard who probably is going to see this spot, and that's Jared McCain. Uh, everybody's favorite TikTok star, number zero. McCain ended the season the number 14 player in the class, six foot three. Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express recently said, uh, McCain recently went to the, the CP3 elite guard camp, and he said that McCain was the best player on the floor both days of the CP3 elite guard camp. He said that he's an elite worker, that he had changed his body, improved his ball handling and finishing, and he plays with tremendous feel and unselfishness. He said that NBA guys are really high on him. And that was reflected with uh, Kevin O'Connor's mock for the ringer. Had him 18. I've seen a few other mocks putting him in the first round. Uh, some excluding him. Sam Vicini for uh, The Athletic put one out earlier today. He did not have McCain in there. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going back and forth. I'll have to see how it actually plays out during the season about whether Duke will retain both Foster and McCain for their sophomore years or not. But that's irrelevant to this discussion. I think McCain... Of all the players that aren't those four main starters that are probably guaranteed, McCain is most likely the best player. Shire has talked about his work ethic. Uh, he's first one in the gym every morning, usually the last to leave. He's there at 6 a.m. every morning. This is a guy that is going to be one of the best shooters Duke's seen in a, in a while. Uh, the McDonald's All-American three-point champion with just a ballistic, ballistic round. I mean, dude was hitting everything. He's got a beautiful release. Very strong guard, can defend. Oh, by the way, I, I talked about the amount of dunk champions in McDonald's contest for a trivia question. There were five of those. Uh, there's actually 11 three-point champions, so that one would be a tougher name. Uh, but McCain, the 11th three-point champion for the McDonald's All-American history from from Duke. But like I was saying, he, he can defend. He's got the strength to defend. He can shoot. He can pass. Uh, just a terrific guard. And I mean, if you're playing a team that doesn't have an incredible amount of wing size, I think a three-guard lineup with Roach, Proctor, McCain is probably the right move because of the amount of shooting and speed that that lineup has. And it still has the interior presence to be able to defend it with Filipowski and Mitchell. 
is giving up a decent amount defensively. It's certainly giving up size. But I think this is an intriguing lineup and just a talent from a talent perspective. I think I don't know if you can get much better than Jared McCain in that fifth starting role skill wise. I think that there will be a lot of teams that positionally you don't want to put another six foot three guard in the starting five. And that's where you'll see lineups with power, with Stewart, with Young. Especially, I think there are. I don't think there's going to be a lot of instances in which Foster uh, creeps into the starting lineup. I think Foster will be one of the best bench players uh, in the conference, maybe probably even the country. Duke has what I would call the deepest team in college basketball. I mean, they have twelve legitimate rotational players. I mean, you talk like literally, literally ten guys that are starting caliber or better players. I mean, Foster would start for most teams in the country. And I, I don't see many scenarios in which he's getting that that position because, you know, Roche is a senior, Proctor's one of the best players. I mean, he's the number six player in San Vicini's uh, mock draft today. So McCain, if you're going three guard, McCain's going to get that slot, most likely. But this is just, I mean, talk about what a good problem to have if you're John Shire, to have basically four of the best guards in the conference on your team. Two of two of them might not start. At least one of them is not going to start. Uh, and then beyond all that, you still have Jalen Blakes, a guy who drops 17 points back-to-back in two conference games this past season. A really capable defender. Uh, very athletic guard who showed that, you know, he can shoot, man. I mean, uh, the release isn't always pretty, but it it went in. I mean, the percentage, the percentage was there. It went down as the season uh, progressed, but it was certainly there. So the guard depth is is crazy. I think it you know it starts with the two returning starters, but McCain is fantastic. So to get back to kind of the, to wrap it all up, final conclusions: if you're going three guard lineup, McCain's the starter. If you're not, there's two different directions you can go. Is do you want a big? Do you want a big lineup? Do you want? And I think if that's the case, I think Shire starts with Young as the season progresses. I would not expect Ryan Young to start by conference play. I think if he's going for the big man lineup by conference play, it'll be Sean Stewart. I think you'll see a lot of Stewart in the lineup, a lot of McCain in the lineup, maybe some TJ Power in the lineup. All this to say, I think Jared McCain is maybe the best option uh, talent-wise, Stewart the best defense-wise. I don't know that there will be a set fifth starter. I think that that fifth spot will probably bounce around a lot. I think Shire will experiment with it because when you have as much talent as this team has, you have the luxury to experiment with it. You know, there's there's no rush to set a definitive five guys. That fifth guy doesn't have to be definitive uh, probably until, you know, right before March. You can keep, you know, alternating these guys depending on matchups. And, you know, what a nice problem to have. That's a, that's a heck of a luxury to be able to alternate, you know, five or six different guys into a starting position depending on who you're playing. And that that is why this Duke team has the potential to, to really do a lot this season. So my final prediction is first game of the season, Ryan Young's going to be the fifth starter. That's all I can lock in. From that point forward, I have no idea what's going to happen. I just know that it'll probably be probably be matchup dependent. But, you know, uh, let me know who you guys think is going to get that fifth starting role. If you think I'm way off base, if you think Ryan Young shouldn't start at all, <laughs> I know there's probably a lot of people that have that that opinion. But man, I mean, I read them out. The stats don't lie. They, they speak for themselves. Ryan Young is efficiency walking. So anyway, thank you guys for listening again. I'll be back on, on Thursday with another one. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, follow, and uh, share the podcast. And thanks for listening, guys.